0: This is the Wealthability Show with Tom Wheelwright. Way more money, way less taxes. Welcome to the Wealthability Show, where we're always discovering how to make way more money and pay way less taxes. Hi, this is Tom Wheelwright, your host, founder, and CEO of Wealthability. So I've said for a long time that you should never have to be afraid of the IRS so long as you have a good tax advisor on your side. I am telling you today something that I've never said before. I think today you should be terrified of the IRS. The changes that are going on at the IRS are so massive and underreported by the media that you should be absolutely frightened by the prospect of an IRS audit. Today, we're going to talk about what's going on at the IRS. And how do you sleep at night? How do you possibly sleep at night in an environment, a culture at the IRS, where literally it's like, instead of having an IRS auditor be nasty to you or upset with you, I don't think that's going to happen again. Instead, what they're going to do is they're going to be really nice and very businesslike. And just as they stab you in the heart and watch you bleed and they will just be smiling pleasantly while you bleed out. We have two things going on at the IRS right now. The first is they have new money for technology, and that technology allows them to capture information and data and make assumptions that they couldn't before. Let me give you an example of that, not in the IRS, but with the state of New York. So New York has a lottery, like most states do. And of course, that lottery is a state lottery, so they get data from the lottery all the time. So let's say that you own a convenience store in Brooklyn, and you sell a certain number of tickets and certain type of tickets. The analysis of that data is such, because New York's already using artificial intelligence to learn from data, that New York can interpolate from that data of tickets sold, lottery tickets sold, how much money should have been spent at your store. And they now can send you a notice saying, based on your lottery ticket sales, you should have reported X amount of dollars for sales tax. You only reported Y amount of dollars for sales tax. And so therefore you owe us the difference. And then you have to prove that they're wrong. You have to prove that they're wrong. That is the big difference right now. Remember, under the tax law, all income is taxable unless the tax law says it isn't. And no expenses are deductible unless the tax law says they are. So it's presumed that all of your income is taxable. And it's true for sales tax, income tax, any kind of tax based on sales and income. Deductions, expenses are presumed not to be deductible, which means you are guilty until you prove yourself innocent. Well, you know, historically that was just not that, not that big deal. A, everybody knows not that many people are being audited, right? They don't have that many, many auditors in place and um, they haven't been well-trained recently. The, you know, the budget's not been there. And so we, you know, and then when the auditors do come in, you know, they're, they're doing their best, but they're really just saying, okay, well, we want to make sure that you're substantially compliant. You know, so I've always uh, kind of my indication is, well, if you're 80% compliance with the rules and, and you do have business expenses, for example, and you can justify that they're business expenses, you're not, you know, spending it on the spa and stuff like that. Right, You're not deducting those, trying to deduct those types of things. You're, you're being clean, right? And you have 80% of the documentation that you're okay. And that's been my experience in previous audits. That is not going to be the case going forward. What's happening is, first of all, technology is such that they're going to be able to track your expenses. Remember, under Obamacare, the government has the right to look at your bank account. So if you take technology and you take a combination of blockchain and AI technology that we've talked about on the show before, then what the government can do is they can gather statistics and they can look at your situation and say, okay, you had this much money come in to your bank account. Statistics would tell us that of that money that came in, because we know that some of it is transfers from other bank accounts, you should have reported X number of dollars of income. And you only reported Y dollars as your income. So we're assessing you a tax on the difference and you have to prove otherwise. They don't need an auditor to do that. They don't need somebody to come out into your home or your business to do that. They are going to be able to do that with technology and just sending you a letter. Now, you go, okay, but what if I I say, no, I'm not going to pay that. Well, they have... They have the opportunity to put a lien on your bank accounts and your possessions. Let me tell you, I I had the unfortunate experience of wrongfully having the IRS put a lien against me. This was years ago, and it was based on payroll taxes. But it was completely incorrect. The IRS was wrong. I had done it exactly right. And they put a lien. It took me 10 years to get that lien removed. And in the meantime, I have a lien from the IRS showing on my credit report. I have a lien from the IRS showing when I go to buy a new home or a new car. So it affected the amount of interest I had to pay. And this was something that this was just a mistake. Imagine when they now have the power to pull this data and they're saying you owe this money. Now, what are you going to do? Now, there's going to be procedures for appeal Right, you're going to go hire a tax advisor, and you're going to appeal this, and you're going to spend time at the IRS, or your advisor is going to spend time at the IRS. Way better, by the way, they're going to be way much better suited for this, and they're going to sit down, and they're going to have to prove all of your expenses, and they're going to have to prove your income. As it is right now, when an auditor comes, if if you get a, what we call a field audit from the IRS. So remember, there are three types of audits. There's a correspondence audit, which I think we're going to get, which we're getting more and more and more of because of technology. There's a an office audit, which is where you go to, where you or your advisor goes to the IRS office. Those are for little things like, you know, justify your charitable contributions, things like that. And then there's field audits. That's the full-blown audit. So the audits that, I mean, I've handled all types of audits before. The audits that we we think of when we think of an IRS audit is the field audit. When they come, first of all, of course, we've talked about this before, you're going to have them only talk to your advisor and, the, and, and you're not even going to meet with them. Please do not ever, ever, ever talk to the IRS yourself. That is absolutely a mistake, okay? Because you're going to say something that will just raise red flags for them and cause them to want to audit more because you don't understand that. That's not your expertise uh, is understanding the process and how to speak to the IRS. So that's, that's my expertise. So, so, you know, hire me, hire one of my colleagues and we'll go in and talk to you and and we'll handle the IRS audit, but here's what's going to happen. So they're going to come probably, you know, to my office, not yours, and they're going to sit down. And this is, I've, They already do this. If they come, they're going to say, I want to see all of your bank statements, the clients, the taxpayers' bank statements. And you show the bank statements, and they want you to prove that all that income, everything, all of the money that came into your bank account is not taxable. You have to prove that it's not 100% taxable. Well, remember, you're making transfers between accounts, especially if you're an entrepreneur investor. You're you're putting money back and forth between bank accounts on a fairly regular basis. You might have distributions, for example. Let's say that you're a, um, let's take me, okay? I have a, an accounting firm and I'm a partner in my accounting firm and I get distributions from that accounting firm. Well, those distributions aren't taxable. The income from the on the partnership return is taxable. They're two different numbers. Well, they're going, well, you you know, your distribution. I mean, let's say, for example, we want to go out and borrow money. And let's say we were to distribute that money. That borrowed money that we distribute is not taxable. But the IRS is going to say, prove that it's not taxable. That's not even counting going to your expenses, which we're going to talk about in just a minute. But they can go to your expenses and say, and they will. They absolutely will now. If if the IRS comes knocking, you have to prove A that you have that those expenses are business expenses, B that you've documented appropriately. And we talked about documentation in the past, but I want to talk about it more today because I'm going to give you some tips of what you can do. By the end of this podcast, I'm going to give you some tips of what you can do to keep the IRS at bay. All right. So we've talked about technology and technology, I think, is going to replace the IRS auditor for most IRS audits. So they're going to be checking your bank accounts. They're going to be checking records. They're going to be checking. Um, they're already matching against not just 109, not just W 2s, you know, your wages and 1099s, your income for your business, but they're also checking things like your mortgage expense. Right, your your taxes. I could see that they will look at the your mortgage expense, and say, "Well, that's too high," of a of a deduction based on our new limitations. Prove that you bought that property before 2018, because after 2018, uh, begin 2018, if you bought personal residence and it was more than seven hundred fifty thousand dollars, then you have this new limitation. Right, so there, I could see them looking at that and saying, "Well, that's too high." That's what AI will do for the IRS. That's technology. Now let's talk about the IRS itself. We have a fairly new commissioner and our the IRS commissioner. And of course, we all know that the attitude of a company or an organization flows from the top. The prior IRS commissioner was a business turnaround specialist who didn't know much about the tax law. And he, frankly, was not a very nice man. And um, I heard him speak a couple of times, never liked him. And so we kept going, you know, what if we could get a real tax person in that situation that perhaps things would get better because the, the auditors were just not very nice. I mean, the whole culture of the IRS was not a very pleasant culture. I, I can't imagine what it was like working there. It, it must not have been a, a nice place to work with, as what I would imagine. Okay. Now, fast forward, we have a new IRS commissioner. Tax attorney, very well known, very celebrated tax attorney, knows the law and certainly comes with his own prejudices like anybody would, and starts turning the IRS around from a culture standpoint. Well, it's been interesting to watch because I think these IRS auditors are going to be much nicer and much more disciplined from a business standpoint. And I don't think they're going to be belligerent, I think they're going to be very matter of fact. Okay, So I don't think the IRS auditor is going to stab you in, in the back. I don't think that's going to happen. I think they, they've done some of those things in the past, and I, I don't think they're going to have those practices anymore because that's this new commissioner. On the other hand, the commissioner, there certain, the commissioner wants to make sure that this, the laws are respected 120 percent. Not 100%, 120 percent meaning that it's not an 80%. Okay, if you're 80% compliance, you're okay. No, if you're 80% compliance, compliant, then 20% is going to be disallowed. Or you might be 80% compliance on every item. And if you're not 100% compliance on every item, every item is disallowed. So I think you're going to see much more disallowance of expenses and much more inclusion of income under the current climate at the IRS. On top of that, There are certain areas of the law that this IRS commissioner does not like. They're they're absolutely on the books. they are laws that are on the books. The commissioner believes this is too good to be true. There's some bad apples, okay, that have kind of taken advantage and and gone overboard on it. And so instead of saying, okay, well, we're going to litigate these in court like we've done in the past. We're going to go after these on you know, regular, um, just follow normal procedures as in the past. No, no, no. What this commissioner has very clearly understands, he's an attorney, is that the IRS is the 800-pound gorilla. And that the threat of the 800-pound gorilla sitting on you is a very big threat. So what he said in certain cases is, if you take a certain deduction... Even though it may be legitimate, we will absolutely audit you. If you do things we don't like, we will come after you, even though you may absolutely be right on the merits. So what will happen? Well, you'll go through the IRS audit process. In many cases, like I said, because of technology, that IRS audit process will be through technology. So there won't be sit down auditors. They're simply gonna send you a notice. Now you have to go through the appeals process. If you've ever tried to get a hold of the IRS, if you've ever tried to resolve something with the IRS and it's no longer the IRS that is required to come after you, now you have to assert yourself in handling this audit. It could take you years. And the, and the cost of defending yourself could be in the thousands and thousands of dollars. Imagine if you had to go to court, tax court. Okay, that's typically where if it's a if it's an issue of law, you're going to end up in tax court. Now, it used to be the only time you ever ended up in tax court was you'd had a field audit, and somebody sat down with you on this field audit, and you know, you had a disagreement, you went to the supervisor, you had a disagreement there, you went to appeals, you had a disagreement, you know, you couldn't resolve it there, so finally you get to tax court. Not a lot of people ended up in tax court. Now let's suppose that it is presumed that you owe the money through a technology audit, and now you're audited and they're going to assess you taxes, penalties, and interest. You're going to go through this process and it's going to be expensive. So what do you do? I, first of all, want to make sure everybody's alerted to the fact that this, the IRS today is different than the IRS was two or three years ago. It wasn't pleasant two or three years ago, but we didn't pay much attention because less than 1% of returns were being audited. Now we have technology and that technology is just going to get better and better. And the IRS has not been given a lot of money for more auditors, but they have been given a lot of money for more technology. So the technology—it's interesting uh, to me that the Congress has said, right, we don't want you. Pe- don't want the IRS going out and throwing its weight around with taxpayers, and you know, and getting after them on an audit." Instead, they've given them technology money, which is important because, like for example, the IRS should be able to develop its own tax return processing program, which it it has, and it's actually. Um, anticipated to release, I think within the next year or so. And I think that's great. Right. I think that's awesome, that kind of technology. At the same time, they're developing audit technology. And that audit technology, if you look at what other what states have done that are have a little more money and a little more aggressive, like New York, you're going to see that there's going to be more and more audits, but they're going to come through the mail. There are not going to be audits where you sit down and have the chance of face-to-face with an auditor. Now you're going to have support this by, document, by, by submitting documentation. So what does this mean for you? Well, it means that you'd better have the documentation when it is incurred. In other words, your documentation on your tax return, we're right now, as I'm doing this podcast, we're in the beginning of the filing season for the 2019 tax year, right? It's the beginning of 2020. And we're doing this uh, in the filing season for 2019. So you're about to have your tax returns prepared. You may not know this, but there are thousands of tax preparers who do not maintain any of your records. They take them um, and enter them into the tax return, and then they give them back to you and they don't maintain any copies or any records whatsoever. So, should the, so not should or if, but when the IRS then sends you a notice because their statistics show that you owe more money, not because they've matched item for item, not because of a W-2 that didn't match up, but because your income that you reported in your business doesn't match up with their statistically designed income that they think you should have reported in your business. Now, how are you going to, how are you going to show the IRS? Where's that documentation? Are you maintaining it? Because your preparer may not be. Now, I suggest two things. First of all, maintain all of your documentation. I'm gonna give you a couple of examples where I think that people are lax in their documentation in the next couple of minutes. So you need to maintain it. I believe very strongly that your preparer needs to maintain the documentation. In our office, we prepare every tax return as if it's going to be audited. I used to think maybe that's overkill. I do not think that's overkill anymore at all. I think it's we're going to be closer to 100% of audits. If you think about we've done we've done podcasts on blockchain technology, right? What's, what is blockchain? Blockchain is a system where every transaction audits every other transaction. So we won't need auditors. Well, you think the IRS is not going to use blockchain technology to audit? And they get to use statistics as well. So they get to say, well, look, here's the information we do have. Based on this information we do have, your income should be X or Y or Z. And that's not what you reported. Or your deductions should be X or Y or Z. And that's not what you reported. So we're going to have to be much more careful going forward. And I believe it needs to start right now because the culture of the IRS right now is if if you're doing something that we don't like as at the IRS, we're g- going to threaten to come sit on you. And it's going to be not come sit on you in person. It's going to be sending you a notice and then you have to prove that that notice is wrong. And if not, we're going to put a lien on you. So there is a, it is an 800 pound gorilla and it is a valid and it is, it's a real threat, much more so than it's been in the past. And it was never fun in the past. So what do you do? So let's talk about the most important thing you've got to do after you've decided I'm not going to cheat. So please, please do not cheat. Do everything ethically, morally, legally. You now still have to document it. So we've talked in the, in previous podcast about what's a business deduction you there are four tests right business purpose ordinary meaning typical necessary meaning it's you know helps you increase your profit those are the first three i think the fourth test is going to be more important than ever and the fourth test is documentation let me give you an example so let's say that you have a business or your you have real estate investments and you go out and go see one of your properties in your car, or you go have a meal. You, you have lunch with a business associate to talk about the property or the business. Well, you have to document that. First of all, let's say, let's say you get to the, as, as an example, let's say that you get to the restaurant and you had your meal and, your, and, and everything and the receipt and, and the, the bill comes And you look in your wallet and you don't have your business credit card. You only have your personal credit card. You go, not the end of the world. I'll get reimbursed by my company. Totally legit, right? Okay. If you have an accountable plan, it's totally legit. What's an accountable plan? Well, an accountable plan is a specific document between the bi- that the business has on hand the agreement with the employee that they will reimburse within a certain period of time and that the employee will submit the documentation along with an expense report explaining the who, what, where, and where, and why of that expense. You can't just anymore say, I've got this credit card expense, so therefore I'm just gonna reimburse myself and not document everything as if you were working for a big company. Right, A big company, you wouldn't go out and spend money and then submit the expense without all the receipt and documentation because the company would say, no, you don't get to deduct that. I mean, you don't get to submit that or we're not going to pay it. Now, let's say you go through, you have an expense report, you document it, you have your receipt, you document who, what, when, where, and why on the receipt, right? You scan it, you submit it all to your employer, which may be you, and then you get reimbursed for it. The same would be true for home office, right? Home office should be reimbursed under an accountable plan. Now you have to have the plan in place as well. And The plan, you just go to your tax advisor and they should be able to give you a sample accountable plan. You must be reimbursed. What if you're not reimbursed? Well, now under the new law, the rule is, is that employee business expenses are not deductible. Under the new law, employee business expenses are not deductible. So you don't get to just go say, well, it's not a big deal because the IRS disallows it at the business. I'll just take it. They'll just put it on my 1040. No, that's not what will happen. It will now be not deductible at all. Let me give you another example. Let's say that you're a partner in a CPA firm, law firm, or some other business venture. And let's say that you've got an agreement with your partner that, you know what, there are certain expenses we're going to pay ourselves. And you may even have a company that, that you, you know, that owns your partnership, right? You may have set up a a partnership to run the business and then you may have your own S corporation. Okay. Now let's say that your S corporation now pays for your home office. And let's say that you have an accountable plan between your S corporation and your home office. So you get reimbursed by your S corporation for your home office. You're done, right? No there must be an agreement between the partner, which in this case would be the S corporation, and the partnership that the partner is going to t- take on expenses on behalf of the partnership. So in this case, that having an office is an expense of the partnership. I think everybody would agree that you need an office, that's, a, that's an expense of the partnership. So the fact that you're paying it as the partner, as opposed to having the partnership reimbursement What that means is that if you don't have an agreement between the partner and the partnership that the partner is going to take on certain expenses, you don't get to deduct those expenses. What about self-employed health insurance? Let's say you have a health insurance plan and it's just, let's say it's just you and your spouse and you have this health insurance plan. Remember for every company, the company you own, if you're, getting health insurance or something else from it, you're both an employee and an owner. Or in other words, both the employee and the employer. Well, what the IRS says is, what you have to do is you have to include that health insurance in your employee's W-2. You're the employee in your W-2. And then the employee then takes it. employee, you, the shareholder, takes it on your own 1040, your own personal tax return as a deduction. I can't tell you how many times I've seen businesses that, you know, just paid the health insurance and didn't pick it up in the W-2. Well, I think in the past that was not that big a deal because the IRS would say, well, that's okay. It's, you know, either way, it's, it's okay. It's not the end of the world. I don't think that's going to be the case anymore. I think we have to pay attention I think we have to pay much more attention to following not just the rules for deductibility, but following the guidelines that the IRS gives for how to prove it's deductible. This is about how do you prove it's deductible? Because it is not deductible until you've proven it's deductible. And that is the way IRS's audits will happen in the future. And it will happen by mostly by mail It'll be technology. It'll not be individuals, which actually is much more difficult to defend because now you have to prove it. On the other hand, it could be much easier because if you do follow every single dot, every single I and cross every single T, the IRS then will be forced to accept it. So that's what we do. So when they threaten an audit, it's okay. They've threatened an audit. Yeah, they're an 800-pound gorilla. Yeah, it's not going to be fun. But if you've prepared your tax return and documented it as if you were going to be, an audit, be audited anyway, just pull it all out and send it to them. It's not a big deal. Have your tax advisor send it to them, please, okay, because you'll tend to send too much or too little. But have, handling that audit when you're well prepared, even with the 800-pound gorilla saying we're going to assert ourselves even more, I mean, for example, there are areas where the IRS has now said that if you take a deduction, even though it's a legitimate deduction, and you take a particular deduction on your return, we're going to audit you. Well, that's just a threat of an 800-pound gorilla. And there are some that they say, we're going to audit 100% of those who take this deduction, even though it could be a 100% legitimate deduction. We're going to audit you. Okay, so be prepared. Look, folks, If if you're not afraid of the IRS, then you're setting yourself up for trouble. If your tax preparer is afraid of the IRS, then you are setting yourself up for trouble. If you have a tax preparer who's afraid of the IRS, get a new tax preparer right now. Now's your chance. Run away. Go get a new tax preparer because your tax preparer had better be ready for that audit. Ask your tax preparer. Tell me what kind of documentation you're maintaining on my behalf. Because between technology and the new culture at the IRS, your chances of being audited, I think, is going up exponentially on a daily basis. So just be ready. Know that when you are completely ready with the right documentation, with everything properly recorded and ready for that audit, you'll have no problem sleeping at night and you're going to make way more money and pay way less tax. Thank you for listening to The WealthAbility Show. Please subscribe on iTunes and leave a five-star review if you enjoyed the show. We want to hear from you, so please also share your comments and your feedback. This is about you and your money and your taxes. You've been listening to The Wealth Ability Show with Tom Wheelwright. Way more money, way less taxes. To learn more, go to wealthability.com.